Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that goes to the cinema every week, sees three films, or may run about three films, stays at home, sees three things, or run about three things, on streaming, the various streaming platforms, rates them all out of five, and sees where our money has been better <laughs> spent this week. My name is Tosin, and I am the host with you. I am in a place called Bromsgrove, which is somewhere in the Midlands, in the middle of the UK. And joining me, as always, on the Isle of Wight, uh, Sharon Bolland. Hello. And Sean Harris. Hello. You know, we're doing this over Zoom, and I looked at you, and I almost just said Sean Bugman. <laughs> you can call me Shawnee Bugman. Yeah, a lot Shawnee of people Bugman. do. They, like a lot of people do call me Shawnee Bugs, Shawnee Bugman. Yeah, yeah. Bugman. How, did, how, how did the Bugman thing start? Because you show up every week, and your name on Zoom is Bugman. <laughs> the, um, okay, well, it's, uh, I mean, it's quite funny. I, I played um, I, I played chess on once online, and someone said to me, oh, "Are you a, are you an extern, pest exterminator?" Or something. I said, "No, no. This stems from from when I was." small i got called i had a friend over the road like a girlfriend not not a girlfriend but a friend who was a girl a friend who was a girl who was, was a kid and sort of in the streets and that and she started calling me sean she started calling me shawny bugs shawny bugs shawny bugs and then it sort of caught on my sister started calling me shawny bugs and i used to call her cat face danny why i've no idea but anyway <laughs> right cat face danny funny enough i've seen her now we're like in our <laughs> 60s and we still laugh about it but anyway um so anyway so yeah so it was shawnee bug man and then i had it as a hot as a hot mail address and then maybe everybody just sort of shortened it to bug man you know what i mean the bug man the bug man oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 like i had nieces and nephews second cousins and all that and they were like bug man bug man shawnee bug man <laughs> i got a lovely little thing they sent me i sent some presents to them once and they were going Johnny Bugman, Johnny Bugman. So it's pretty, so it's just sort of I quite like it. I quite like it as a. Oh okay, now, now now straight up, I want to make I want to um I want to engineer an on podcast reunion between Shawnee Bugman and Cat Eyes Danny. Cat Cat Face Cat Face Cat Face Danny. She's nuts. She's absolutely one hundred percent bonkers. I think probably that would not be a good idea. <laughs> she's, a, she's she's crazy. She is. She is totally totally bonkers. I mean, well, you, you mean you would have would have trouble trying to ask her a couple of questions or something? Uh, no, you'd probably ask the questions, but I don't know what the answers would be. Like she's quite foul mouthed, but. Um, <laughs> But, you know. Oh, it might be our first our first podcast with an explicit rating. Right? <laughs> it would be quite funny. I will ask her. I mean, I, I see her very occasionally because she she obviously lives in Bournemouth. I see her very rarely. I did go. Yeah, yeah. I did drive her. She she bought a big. She's she's really strange. She bought this massive big camper van thing, and she didn't want to drive it. And she asked me to drive it for her to, to Wales. And there was another school friend. So there was there was like there was Kim Diane. Uh, two dogs and me. I was driving with these two little tiny little, but each one of them had a little dog all running around. Going, <laughs> I said, bizarre. Anyway, we won't go there. So yeah, so it's been a, it was an adventure. Okay, okay, that, that's that's a wonderfully wonderfully random start to the podcast. <laughs> well, you know me. If, <laughs> I did point. If, if you click, if you clicked in listening to the films, or well, I, I would like to say we're. Oh, I guess I should say we're sorry to disappoint you, but I can't. I'm not really sorry that much because we found out about Catface, Catface Danny. <laughs> so, which reminds me, I need to finish watching a TV show called Dollface to bring us <laughs> to bring us back on point. Uh, yeah, yeah, a, a TV show called Dogface, a Dollface, which actually features a cat lady, like a literal cat lady. Ooh. But, <laughs> but 
Yeah, I know, I know, Sharon. Yeah, that is the face. There is a literal cat lady in the show called Doll Dollface. I will explain later, and I guess if I ever finish watching the first season, I should actually, I will, I, then I can report back on it. But anyway, let's talk about the things that we have seen this week. So we talk about going to the cinema each week. What have we seen in the cinema this week, uh, Sean? I'll let you go first. What have you seen in the cinema? Well, I've seen. I've, I've had a quite a lean week this week, but I think it's because of the bank holiday weekend and yep. some of the football. But um, yeah, I've only seen. So I've only seen one movie this week, and that's The Pope's Exorcist. The Pope's Exorcist, and I have seen Super Mario, the, the, or rather, the Super Mario Brothers movie to give it its official title. And Sharon, you have had one of those weeks, haven't you? Yes, I have not been to the cinema this week, nor did I manage to get to cinema last week. <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I haven't. Yeah. Have you still got that Cineworld Unlimited um, pass? Yes, I have not made the most of it this month. It has had its money from me, and I haven't made the most of it. Oh, but but the thing is, okay. I used to have one of these limits before I moved to an area that didn't have a cinema that had either an Odeon or a limit or a Cineworld, and I know that we make it up in the other months because yeah. <laughs> because quite frankly, with those with those passes, I mean, super fan Nina. Well, when we listen to the show, she got a limitless pass to go to an audio. And she was like, should I get it? I was like, look, if you see two films a month, you've made your money back. Yeah, so... you only have to go twice a month. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, to make your money back. And and uh, we, so quite frankly, I think they're playing the numbers game going, oh, most people won't go see more than two films a month. I'm like, ah, you haven't met Sean. You, uh, haven't, met... <laughs> you <laughs> haven't met Sean Harris, who is probably averaging two pounds per film <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So um, that so that's in cinema and at home. So Sharon, what did you see at home? What did you finish seeing at, at home? home? I finished seeing watching the series uh, Daisy Jones and the Six on Amazon da Prime. Daisy Jones and the Six. I've been hearing about that. I've been hearing about Fleetwood Mac vibes. Um, and I oh no oh and then Sean, what did you see at home? Uh, I saw a Korean drama called Kill. Well, not a drama action flick called Kill Box Soon. Kill Boxoon. Yeah, I've been seeing that. That's been coming up. That's been showing up on my Netflix list and everything. And because we only have, uh, if we had a third film in the cinema, I was going to talk about something that I have been watching. And the title of this should tell you what stage of life I'm in right now. And this was a, this is a show called Princess Power. So, <laughs> it, it might be, you might be able to. Yeah, yes, you might be able to detect. You might be able to detect what stage of life I'm in and what. I'm like yeah, and, and what kind of child I have, like what gender my child is, you might, might be able to pick that up from that. But um, but I, it's it's actually one of these things where you have a kids program that I think has some things in it that is worth noting because they do something they do something quite clever with it. But I'll save that story for another week when we have enough time. Yeah. So let us kick off. Let us kick off, and I will kick off with the Super Mario Brothers movie. Now, the late Bob Hoskins. The late Bob Hoskins, when asked, he, he there's there's this famous interview that you have with Bob Hoskins where you ask him, they ask him like, you know, what is this biggest regret that he's ever made in his professional life? And he says, Super Mario Brothers. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, and he, it's kind of like, you know, uh, and uh, because he was in a version of Super Mario Brothers in 1993. And this was, and they had decided to reinvent Super Mario Brothers. And this time when they were trying to just sort of like think, okay, let's just find, 
ready known properties and shoved them at the screen and they took super mario brothers and they shoved it at the screen and they made all sorts of stuff with it and it looked nothing like the game and you had bob hoskins who looked a bit like mario quite frankly they, did, they tried to make him look like mario and he had um john leguizamo playing luigi and he had samantha mathis playing princess peach and it was just weird he had dennis hopper playing the bad guy bowser and it was a weird steampunk thing that looked nothing like mario and it's widely derided as being one of the worst video game adaptations ever made. Now, Nintendo have decided to go back, and this time they've teamed up with Illumination, the guys who do the Despicable Me fil uh, films, to make an uh, animated, sorry Sharon, I know you're never gonna see this. <laughs> so, so it's an animated thing where everything looks like the game. Everything looks like the game. And I feel, my, okay, I have two brothers, and one of them was asking us, uh, was, was asking, he was saying, oh, how, um, he was asking us whether he was trying to figure out who was going to be most excited about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Whether it was going to be myself, whether it was going to be my brother, and whether it was going to be my brother's son, who is 12. And I was like, I don't think it's going to be the son. I think it's going to be between me and my brother. <laughs> because quite frankly, we are children of Mario. When we talk about video games, that's one of the first things we've ever played. The original Super Mario Brothers game was one of the first games we ever played all the way through our lives. My, I actually once got my brother a t-shirt with a Nintendo NES controller on it that says, Know Your Roots. And, it, and he, he loved that t-shirt and he held it as the best thing I'd ever bought him. So for people like us, I think this is a film that we're like, yes, give us the Mario, the way we knew it, the way we liked it as we were when we were kids, give it to us. And that's what they do. They give you that in this film. Nothing more, nothing less. It's not clever, it's not complicated, it's not sophisticated, it's not nuanced. <laughs> it is essentially, we're gonna give you um, some things, I'm gonna bring all your favorite things from the, all the different versions of the game that have been from Super Mario Brothers, from Super Mario Brothers 3, from Mario Kart, from Mario World, all that. And, they, and they shove all these things in the film. And they do, some of them they do, the way they, they link them together, I actually quite liked. And there was a couple of times where I was laughing, I was going, ah, oh, I see what they did there. Especially because Mario has one of the most iconic theme tunes and iconic pieces of music in the world and the way they incorporate all these different bits of the mario music into like a soft score orchestral thing i had me having just so sitting in the cinema going oh oh ah i see what you did there oh i see what you did there i like it they come up with a plot to link everything together then who cares but but essentially Mario and his brother Luigi are in Brooklyn. They find a portal to this world, which is the Mushroom Kingdom, and they end up having to help um, Princess Peach save the Mushroom Kingdom from Bowser Cooper, who is this big turtle line guy voiced by Jack Black, who is trying to take over everything. So far, so fantasy, end of story, then that's it. Things happen, and then blah, 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 save the day. That That's, <laughs> that, that's the storyline. And I think... For those people who grew up on Mario, for those people who like Mario, this is fun. This is a lot of fun. Is it a good film? Um, probably not. Is it for like the nostalgia thing? Do you think that they they've made uh, this? Um, I mean, uh, I'm I'm not really. I'm aware of Mario. I wasn't really into that Nintendo game thing. I know once yes. I went round someone's house and they were playing Mario Kart where he goes, all I know, all I always seem to think is 
he goes, let's go, let's go. I like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he does that, and that is a bit of a because in the games they they got a guy called Charles Martinet to voice Mario, and he does what can only be described as an Italian stereotype <laughs> accent. <laughs> Bearing in mind this guy has no Italian in him whatsoever, it's a little bit insensitive. And a big thing about this when they made this film was: Are they going to change the voice? Are they going to go? Have Mario walking around going, it's me, Mario. Hey, Luigi, let's go. And are they going to do that? And they didn't. And I, for one, I'm very happy that they did that. Why? I remember I remember the Mario cartoons. There were Mario cartoons I used to watch in the 90s. And in those, they gave Mario, like, you know, a Brooklyn accent. Yeah. <laughs> and in this one, they just gave him, they give him not so much of that. It's a lot more level. There's some jokes in it about the way Mario sounds and with and there's a bit at the beginning of the film where they pretty much say, yeah, 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 we're not doing that. And I, <laughs> and I think that it works quite well with, with Chris Pratt as Mario. With, I know Chris Pratt takes a lot of flack online, mainly for um, being a Christian, quite frankly, <laughs> or having links with the Hillsong Church. He takes a lot of flack online. And so people have decided to hate him and decided to hate this film just because it's Chris Pratt and because they think he's a Christian, burn him. And... Um, um, but I think he does really well as Mario. And I think Charlie Day, who I usually find quite annoying, and I find his voice quite annoying, works really well as Luigi in this film. And yeah, Taylor-Joy is okay. I mean, the, the standout voice is Jack Black as Bowser, because Jack Black goes a bit tenacious D, and there's a bit where, there's a bit where they reveal Bowser's actual motivation for wanting to take over and wanting to breed all this, this destruction. And it is gloriously silly. His, it is gloriously silly and stupid. And there's and there's a bit where Jack Black is singing and he's doing this whole sort of tenacious D thing and everything like that. And I think at those bits that that's actually quite funny. It's it's quite funny. So, but I want when you talk about the nostalgia thing, let me put it this way. So Mario is a slide is a side scrolling game where you run up ladders, you jump off things, you punch things, and all like. And there's two scenes in this film where they have the action and the action is just sort of side scrolling and you can see exactly what they're doing everything that they're doing is a homage to the original mario game and i just had a massive grin on my face when they did it and i was just kind of like yes yes there's a bit where they have with the mario kart stuff they have there's there's a there's a bit of a homage to mario kart it's a little bit they don't do much with it. It's almost kind of as if they just, uh, in this film, it's as if they just kind of go, okay, let's shove as many different things in there as possible. We have the let's Rainbow Road, we have it. the Mario Kart thing, we have this thing, we have that thing, we have Luigi's Mansion, we have, and they shove all these things in there, we have what happens when you touch a star, we have, and they shove all of them in there, and some, and, and some of them are sort of shoved in there without, uh, I'll tell you what I feel. I feel like this film at the moment has been blasted by critics. Critics have said it's rubbish. And if you're going to be critical about it, yes, but that, that this film is not made to be a critical darling. This film is made for nostalgia of kids who grew up on Mario. And they have loved it. And this film has been one of the biggest hits of the year so far. So the way it is, you know there's going to be a second film because this is Hollywood and they like money. Yeah. So you, you know there's going to be a second film. And I think in the second film, the directors, because I actually quite like the directors, they do Teen Titans Go. 
I think they are going to be let off the, the leash a little bit and they're going to be allowed to be a little bit more crazy and go out there and have a few more ideas and be a bit more clever, a bit like the way the Lego movie was or a bit like the way Dungeons and Dragons was that we spoke about. Mm-hmm. A bit, be a bit more clever with it in the second film. But in this first film, I think it was just kind of like, softly, softly, let's just be gentle. And, oh, we've got a massive hit. Okay, now let's let's take some wheels off. That that's oh, Let's take a handbrake off. That's, that's what I'm hoping. But uh, so I liked it. I had a smile on my face. Was it great? No. Was it inventive? No. Is this a two-star film? Probably, but I'm going to give it three. Cool. <laughs> you got to go with that sometimes. Yeah, I'm going to give it three because it hit all the right buttons for me as a child of Mario and somebody who grew up with it. And I just, I just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I thought I, I really, I enjoyed it. <laughs> so right cool so that is super mario the super mario brothers movie which i will recommend for anybody who grew up with mario or anybody who has a child that they want to take along and wants to go oh look pretty colors and now let us go on to netflix and friends and we're going to talk about kill boxoon so sean tell us about kill boxoon okay kill boxoon so this this is a korean movie and um it starts off like with a, a good action sequence um which, which, so you know that there's kill. Oh, boxing. She works for a. She's an assassin, basically. She works for a, an assassin age, agency, and she's got a hundred percent record. She's never a job. She's every every job's been completed really, really well. Um, so and you know she's quite capable from the opening opening fight sequence. The thing is, she's got a teenage daughter who's having some issues, and of course, she can't say to her teenage daughter, "Oh, you know, we we." I'm, I'm an assassin, you know, because she asks, she asks, oh, what do you do, man? You never communicate with me. You never typical, typical relationships between a mother and a teenage daughter. Um, obviously, the teenage daughter's got some issues, relationship issues, and all that. Um, but she's like the top assassin for this this assassination agency, um, and you know everybody loves her. She's she's really good. And then one day she decides she's she's on this mission with someone else, and she decides not to not to complete it. So the agency's not particularly happy about this, obviously. So you've got a little bit of a John Wick situation. That's what that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking mm, John Wick. Okay. So yeah, exactly. Let, let, me, let me check the date on this film. Was this made, was this made before Keanu Reeves grew his hair long and grew up here to start killing people? Um so yeah, so so now you you you've got this this kill bill situation where you know the 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 um the agency is not particularly happy with her so mm-hmm. so and i mean there's there's one scene early on in the film where she's got like they all these they were mates they're mates you know they're, they're sort of in a bar and they're all talking to say oh yeah well, yeah you know this that and the other and there's they're all sorts of shapes and sizes and young and old and silly and not so silly and of course when it comes through you know all kill boxing they all like turn on her you know they're all trying to all her mates are all trying to get anyway yeah 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 so oh, trying to get the bounty. Yeah, and then you've got the, the 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 very head. You never well, you do at the end, but you never know the head. Sort of the head of this organisation. He had some sort of relationship when she was really really young. When she first sort of joined the the um, he, he saw a lot of potential in her because of certain issues. Something that happened, and he was there. She says, and and he's not really sure whether the daughter is his or not. So he's sort of he's got uh... this in his mind that so he's thinking. You know, he's he's a bit conflicted. So he sort of half tries to protect her in a sort of way. So a bit like, you know, in the first John Wick, you've got, um, oh, uh, oh, what's his name? With the, with, pardon? 
Ian McShane. Yeah, not Ian McShane. You've also got uh, oh, what's his name, the Lighthouse Man. Because um, remember, in in the sort of William Defoe. William Defoe, yeah, William Defoe is the thing, isn't he? And he, yeah, because he's going to get he sort of shoots the. So yeah, so you've got that sort of thing. So yeah, basically, this is this is a a total action flick with really stylized like fighting. Um, yeah, there's a particularly good scene in a in a building where they sort of pan up and go across, and yeah, I mean. But that's pretty much what it is, really, is a Korean John Wick with a female author, with, with um, a female author, yeah. a female yeah. protagonist with um, with a daughter that's, you know, like a side issue. Um, so but that's John quite Wick interesting. Has, John Wick has a dog. This woman has a daughter. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so it's along, it's along the sort of lines of, um, I don't know, I, I, although... She was sort of nice, though she was sort of nice. Um, I didn't really relate to her in any way. I didn't, you know, I didn't think I wasn't like rooting for her in yeah, any particular yeah. way. I wasn't rooting for boxing, you know, like sometimes like with some characters, when you, you see a movie, you actually root for them and say, oh, yeah, yeah, come on. Well done. Well done. Yeah. I didn't particularly. There is there's a fair amount of bloodletting, which um, you normally normally get with Korean movies, you know, when the action movies. Yeah, I'll tell you something about the thing is because you know when John Wick was released and everybody was raving about the action and stuff. Yeah, it was a bit like when the Matrix was released, and I thought that John Wick owes a lot, a hell of a lot, to Asian cinema, specifically Korean cinema, because Korean Korean, cinema, yeah. Korean action cinema is mental. It is absolutely <laughs> mental. It's kind of like, you know, when Jackie Chan used to do all of his stunts because there was no health and safety in Hong Kong back in the days. It's like the Koreans have taken up that mantle. And there, there's a film. Have you ever seen the film called... Oh, no, Sean, I know you have seen the film, The Villainess. Yes, yes. The Villainess. And The Villainess starts off with this... Villainess, like, yes. Yeah, it starts off with this five-minute... <laughs> five a few minute, years ago, yeah. Yeah, five, <laughs> yes. five-minute first-person action shot, which... Which uh, is just mental. I mean, if you watch no no other bits of the film, watch the first five minutes of the villainess because I remember I remember telling my brother about that, and my brother watching it was like, "Oh my god, what is this nonsense?" <laughs> because that it's just and even there's even a bit in John Wick Chapter Two when there are motorbikes underneath a bypass that is pretty much let's call it a homage instead of ripoff. Homage, yeah. It's a homage to the villainess. So we don't. So when you hear Korean action movie, you expect that things are going to be you mental. Do. You, do. You, ex- you expect that. So um, so with that, with Kill Buck soon, we know we're going to get the good action. How many stars do you give this? Okay, this is, uh, it wasn't really particularly, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't bad, but it wasn't like spectacular. It wasn't so, this would get a three star, give this a three star. Mm-hmm. You know, it was watchable, it was enjoyable, but it wasn't any anything new. Yeah, of cool. blood. But I think I, I think I'll still probably watch it before I watch John Wick Chapter Four. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I was thinking about it the other day. Somebody was asking me about John Wick Chapter Four last night, and I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, man, I was really, really annoyed with the third film. I still really don't want to watch John Wick Chapter, even though everybody, even though I am convinced that I will watch this thing. Maybe in a year's time, when it comes onto some streaming platform, and I'll be like, "Oh my God, everybody was right! I should have seen this in the cinema." And I am convinced that that's what's going to happen, but I still cannot bring myself to watch that film right now because the third film really annoyed me. 
But so let's go back to cinemas. Go back to cinemas, and it's still with Sean. Sean, you're going to tell us talk to us about the Pope's Exorcist. Yes, the Pope's Exorcist. Okay, so speaking so, about Italian accents and people putting on Italian accents. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That might be a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, okay. So the um, the Pope's Exorcist. So starts off with um, yeah, we've, we've got um. Russell Crowe, who is, is oh, as it all starts, as we get these tropes all the time now, it's like um, based on a true story, you know, yeah, based yeah, yeah, on yeah, a true yeah, story, yeah. Like, like like a lot of these things are based on true stories. Um, anyway, so it starts off with obviously an, an exorcism, um, and he's he sort of thinks it's just people that have been affected and they're not really, you know, they're not really possessed or anything like that. Yeah, he yeah, just yeah. sort of wants someone to say they are and all that. And there's a scene where he talks to this person and says, oh, if you are, you know, if you are the devil, can you do this? And then if you do it and it puts it in there and then they're sort of all right. So, but then there's this, this, it's sort of the, that's then the titles come up and then you've got, it flips to this, this old house in Spain. Yeah. And um, this family's come over, the, the, the husband's family used to do it, but he's died. So, and they, they sort of are renovating this place. They've got builders in because they want to renovate the place to sell it. And you've got the normal thing of like, you know, they're knocking walls about and all stuff like that. And of course, you know, there's things that you're going to let loose, aren't there? There's things you're going to let loose if you sort of, you're in one of these creepy, creepy places. So, um, I mean, you you would feel sure changing of a film was called The Pope's yeah. Exorcist and, and nothing was let loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they had so, nothing to exercise, yeah. <laughs> and then you get, you get the strange like, and, um, you know, like, and this, all, this sort of stuff and obviously... And then you've got Russell Crowe, and he goes, he's, he meets the Pope, comes in, sees the Pope, he goes, oh, you need to go, you need to go and sort this one out for us like that. He says, I'll, I'll send all the help I can. So, so uh, it's funny, it's because you've got a rather podgy Russell Crowe going around on a little Vespa scooter, like hobbling around on a Vespa scooter, and you see him. I don't know, I don't know if he got to Spain on the scooter, I doubt it very much from Rome, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, you see him driving up to the house on a, on a little Vespa scooter, you know, <laughs> And um, and it basically it turns out it goes back to quite an interesting concept. This place was was something to do with the Spanish Inquisition and like the the demons they they always like to catch the exorcists. You oh, know? Yeah, so yeah, it yeah, goes yeah. right back to like the thingy Bob and the exorcists have to sort of stay there so that they can and and then you get the story which is very much like the exorcist really <laughs> it borrows <laughs> it borrows rather a lot from you know like the bed scene and like you know heads turning round and they seem to like this they love this in movies now where the bodies can sort of invert and shoot up to the ceiling you know and yeah yeah, about yeah, like yeah. Little beetles and all that and it's like oh, i've seen that before a few times um nothing new there train spotting did it first with a baby yeah but this um this this didn't go so much on the jumpy things i was expecting sort of the, the the jumpy things um so there were parts of it that were quite interesting i quite like the inquisition book because the actual pope he's he finds you know they have these big libraries don't they with all the stuff and it's like oh this was where they walled up so and so and you get all the story and he goes oh he needs help so yeah um so you've got Russell Crowe as, as the exorcist. And then there's a young priest, obviously a Spanish priest. He says, oh, you know, can you speak Latin? You've got to do. And then you've got the family and things happen, doors slam, people get thrown around and like they get rescued from the, the priest sort of rescue them. And, they have the, and yeah. you know, that, that sort of just an exorcism film, really. But I think this was played with quite, for me, Russell Crowe, 
I don't know if he was hammering. I don't know if he was hammering it up or not, or whether he was oh, taking I've it seriously. The, I'm sorry, I've seen the trailer. The dude is hammering it up. <laughs> He's hammering it up big time. <laughs> He's I'm, it glad, up. I'm glad you told me that because I didn't want to upset too many no, people. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking. I'm looking but, at. Like, <laughs> I, I, was, I saw the trailer. You see the trailer, and you hear it's the a massive, It's a massive big leg of ham. Yeah, big, exactly. No, no, honestly, you, 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 you see the act. You see the trailer. You hear the accent, and you go. There is no way they're taking this film seriously. There's no way this is supposed to be a serious film. Because it's like, you can take it up with my boss. Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. and you're like, oh, dang, Russell, what is up? I, I think he's I think he's just got to this stage in his life where he's like, all right, you know, I'm old enough. I don't really care. I'm not fitting somebody. Don't care. I mean, think about, I think about his accent in Thor, Love and Thunder. And, oh, yeah. and you're like, Russell, what the hell is that? What are you doing? <laughs> what he's, are you yeah, doing? He's like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has got really, doing? really podgy, isn't he? Really. Well, so. uh, but I think like, I think he he he's always kind of been that way. He's always been like yeah. like a beer. I like that. And he and I think there was a period where he was known as a muscle man, but that was only because of he had to be like that way for some certain roles. I think L.A. Confidential was the first one where he mm. actually got himself like built up and everything like that for then Gladiator. And he had like this run of years where he decided that where it was kind of like Russell Crowe was the muscle man. Mm. But I don't yeah. feel like that was ever really him. And the right. second he stopped doing those oh. roles, he just went, yep, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to live on my farm and drink my beer. <laughs> there, is a, there is a common theme that runs through this, through this, through, through the film. It's like, your sins will find you out, right? Okay, so your sins will find you out. So yeah. obviously, he says, and they're like, "Oh no, don't believe it, don't believe it. It's not real, it's not real." So it's going back to obviously, Russell Crowe's got a little bit of a checkered past, and the Spanish priest has got a huge checkered past, and they go, yeah. "Oh, you got to confess, my son. You need to confess." So you know, like they've got the confessional thing. You've got to say what it is, you know. Don't. And so, so you've got these. It's a bit odd, really. <laughs> it's a little bit odd, but um. Yeah, so your sins will find you out. Your sins will find you out. So, so, yeah. so how many stars would you give the um, Exorcist? I, I won't say I hated it. I thought it was quite amusing um, in places, and I don't think it took itself too seriously. Um, so, yeah, I didn't hate it. So I give this a three star as well. I give this one a three star rating. All right, three stars for the Pope's Exorcist. And now we go to Amazon Prime. And Sharon, you have been sitting here so patiently waiting to talk about your thing that you've seen this week. But it is now time for me to do that customary thing that I've started doing every week, which is leave the screen while one of you talks to go check on my child. <laughs> so please talk to us about Daisy Johnson the Six. Tell us what this is about. I shall be back in hopefully 30 seconds or less. Okay. Daisy Jones and the Six. It is a... You'd describe it as a... Sorry, I just pulled my earphones out and it's made my screen go wonky. It would describe it as a a band biopic, a fictional band biopic. So the Six are a Pittsburgh band in the early seven, well, late 60s, early 70s, and they're sort of making a bit of a name for themselves on, like, they're sort of... They've made a success for themselves in their own, like, um, Pittsburgh, and they've sort of... Getting, getting a, they're touring, they're doing well. And they um, they want to sort of bring them over to like the West Coast to sort of make an album, and they've got an agent, and they're starting to make a bit of noise. And one of the lead singers, um, played by Sam Claflin, he is like a proper rock star. You know, he's got the looks, he's got the lifestyle, he's he's into drinks and drugs and into girls, and 
he's he's like this creative force. He writes the music. He's really into everything. And he, when the band gets really successful, he really goes off the rails. And they sort of, he redeems himself through his marriage. His wife sort of supports him and backs him up. So if he goes sort of clean, and he writes these songs about his wife. And one of the songs, which is really quite moving, they say, um, "This is a great song, but we think it needs two voices. It needs a, a woman's voice on it." It's not just what it will change the dynamic of this song, and so then they are introduced to this sort of Ale wild child called Daisy Jones. Now Daisy Jones was the daughter of rich parents who basically neglected her. So from the oh, age my. of about fourteen, she's been sort of roaming around on her own, and she ended up in basically the music bars in Los Angeles on the Strip, and she has become a bit of a force in her own right. She she started off just like that, like just following the bands and getting involved in the bands and getting involved in the whole music scene. But then she started writing her own music and she was sort of challenged, yeah, you need to create your own voice and you'll have your own sort of experience. And they think the guy who sort of sees her sing thinks she'd be a really good fit for joining the six on this one record. And it turns out that this one song is a massive hit. And so they say, well, you've got to build on this momentum that you've had this one song. So we think that Daisy Jones and the Six, these two entities, should come together and make this seminal album. And this is the story of this band and this album. And it's set basically 20 years after this album. And it's all the people who were involved, like the singer, Daisy Jones, and all the members of the band are being interviewed by this photojournalist a documentary maker basically interviewing about this about the, the couple of summers of when they were making this this album and this album is sort of become semi-autobiographical so that it involves all the different tangled relationships in the band like daisy jones and her or not well, it's not like a relationship because i'm um, billy dunn he is married with with a child um and but they are this sort of they're so alike that they become like this creative powerhouse and then other relationships within the band involve um, different band members that are, some of them are open some of them are secret and it's basically about the making of this one seminal album that in this one summer became the soundtrack of the year and it created this huge buzz and and then suddenly Daisy Jones and the Six just disappeared they never is, that, made is, 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 this a, is this a true story Sharon no, or fictional it's a complete no. fictional story um but you could you probably recognise there are parallels to some bands that we've heard of, where they have these relationships, they make these huge albums, and it sort of describes their lives in a bit maybe too close to detail. It's only when you look back at them you go, actually, if we were reeling a lot through our music that we probably didn't aware of, or if we were aware of it, we probably weren't aware that what an impact this would have, a la rumours. Oh right, okay, 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 yes. oh, right, yeah. okay. So there's I clear see. parallels yep. between this fictional band, so. And they and this fiction, the whole thing about this band was they had this massive, massive song. They toured the world, and then they had this one concert. And then after this concert, they were never heard of again. They all went their separate ways. They never recorded again together. Um, some of them just completely dropped off the scene. They were just like, and it's like, what is this? And so this documentary maker is like, I want to find out the story of what happened during that, the making of this album. And so this is told over sort of eight episodes. And you sort of, you get these like, as you get these sort of documentaries, when you hear about any singer, whether you have them like 
face it. You don't see the interviewer. You just see them facing the camera and they just talk about certain incidents. And so you see the same incident from different band members' point of view. So the whole band is sort of interviewed and that's how you see the story progressing through these sort of interviews. And then you get the the, the, the footage of them singing and recording these these albums, this album. Um, so yeah, I, it is based on a best-selling novel, as you probably imagine, okay. and the book yeah. is set out exactly the same way. It is an interviewer and the interviewee. So every line it says the person's name, and then you've got like what they said, and then the next person what they said. So it is conducted like a long magazine article, but it's twenty chapters long. So but okay. the, the style of it is it's a, this, this series of interviews. And how many episodes are there? I think there's eight. Eight episodes, mm. and and I, as always, I have to ask because obviously, if anything is animated, I will read it. If there's anything that has been based on a book, you will read it. Oh, oh, so I will watch it. You will watch it. Have you read the book? Yes, I have. All right, cool. So, so obviously, we have a little bit of. Uh, I think we're just going to take not as good as the book as as writ. We're gonna we're gonna take that as this is not as good as a book because I think anybody who reads a book and then watches it is very very rare that you think this book is as good as the film. Yeah. Or this film is as good as a book. So what did you think of it then? So uh, ignoring the book altogether, I personally thought it the story could have been told better in a shorter format. I don't think it needed eight episodes to tell the story. I think. You know, four, six, possibly, but I think eight was just too many. I think some mm. episodes I thought there's elements that were introduced to sort of some of the storylines. I was thinking, I don't think this adds anything. I think it, where they've let them tell the time, I think it loses some of that, the impact. Mm. And to me, it was all very well played. And I think if, but to me, it just, I think it dragged the story out for a lot longer than it needed. But it very well played. Um, Sam Claflin plays Billy Dunn, who's like this charismatic rock star. At the beginning, he looks too old for the age of the character, but then he grew into that those the character. It's only when they start when they're like supposed to be like nineteen and they're abandoned yeah, yeah, in the yeah, garage. Yeah. It's like you're not nineteen. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much makeup you put on and you shave really closely, you're not nineteen, pal. And yeah, but, it was Sam Claflin's a weird one though. Even he's always looked older than he actually is. Yeah. I, I think Sam Claflin has always looked like an old man, but which, which is an old, rugged, good-looking man. But he's always looked, oh, even when he was a teenager, was like he, he could have played someone who was thirty. So, so yeah, he. That, that's at the beginning. I was thinking, none of you look old enough. And then one of the guys, when you see them being interviewed like twenty years later, he looks younger then than he did actually when he was a teenager. I'm thinking, you just got this. He said, "Look, come on, this is working. Isn't working well." And um, Daisy Jones is played by Riley Keough, um, yes. obviously the granddaughter of Alvis, the daughter yep. of Lisa Marie Presley. And uh, so she has this sort of background. She's got a good voice, quite a good sort of rock voice. Sam Claflin, if it is his own voice, again a good voice. Uh, the, the the music was good. Um, so I read an article where someone said this was his, some of the music was as good as it had it been released as a single, it would have done well. Mm. I didn't think so. I thought some of it was quite forgettable. <laughs> But <laughs> I thought, yes, it's got that rock vibe of the mid-70s, so I appreciate that. But, yeah, for me, it was just a bit too long. But I did think it told the story, you know, like this fictional band, you know, this, how, what, what happens to these bands that have these massive hits and they never, ever live up to that again. I was thinking like Guns N' Roses. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had this sort of like Welcome to the Jungle, that whole explosion of the rock This appetite for They sort of exploded onto the scene. And then, can you name any of their subsequent albums? It's like, 
they're still around now. The, the second one, Guns N' Roses, the second one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I liked GNR Lies, but that was just like an EP, an extended EP. It wasn't really an album. Uh, and then other bands like Fleetwood Mac. I mean, they've been around for fifty odd years, haven't they? But after Rumours, it's like this defines your <laughs> your career. So they've taken this. Um, Actually, now you mention it, I don't think I know of any other Fleetwood Mac song that is not on Rumours. That came out. Uh, there's a couple that they did, isn't that like Stevie Nicks did individually? And I think yeah, yeah Ste- Stevie part. Nicks. I can talk about like you know Edge of Seventeen I, and stuff like that. But yeah. I, but yeah, I, Fleetwood Mac. I um I only really know their big ones. You can go your own way, and I, I think there's one called Tusk. Which is that on the album or is that a different one? About tomorrow. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, you got that one. <laughs> yeah. So and it talks about how they. I think it's probably it's no I think everyone probably guesses that it is based loosely on you know sort of Stevie Nicks and I forget the name of the lead singer Mick Fleetwood Fleetwood. it wasn't about him it was the lead singer who was because he was the drummer wasn't he Mick Fleetwood who was um, I didn't know that (laughs) I I didn't know that I was never really I was never really charismatic and he was out there but I could I know the uh, name. I, 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 knew, of I knew Mick Fleetwood because of, because I was like, okay, the the yeah. thing is named after him, and I knew Stevie Nicks only because I watched School of Rock and they mentioned Stevie Nicks. Apart from that, I think there's five members of Fleetwood Mac, and I don't know who anybody else is. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, I, you'd you'd know him if you saw him, and you'd think, yes, that's that look that they're trying to go for, that early sort of Mick Hutchins sort of look, you know, where they're here, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sort of. Rock, Actually, rock. I must say there's other, there's quite a few bands that have one sort of decent album, and then I mean the Kaiser Chiefs only know one album really. Don't know yeah, any others. I think it's a phenomenon. So the writer of the book obviously thought that would make a great story, and they have taken elements of that and made I think an entertaining television series. But for me, it just didn't warrant eight episodes. I didn't feel that it was, they were interesting enough to do that. Uh, so, so I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, but I would still give it a three star. Three stars. Daisy Jones and the six. But I'll so, say, read the book. It's an it's an interesting book. I mean, I didn't love the book because I found the device of this interview thing a little bit trying. <laughs> By the end of the book, I was just like, I'm just tired of this narrative now. I'd rather you wrote a story as a as a novel rather than a long long, long magazine article. <laughs> but it was into. I liked it. I thought it was a good story though. I yeah. found it. There's lots to like about the story. Yeah. But... Oh, the oh the oh, there's a book. Uh there's a book I read once I read it you know when you go to like a youth hostel and everything like that there's just like a whole bunch of books that are there and there's a book that I read once there and the entire book is email exchanges and so the entire the entire story is told told through the email exchanges that people have sent in this I can't remember what it's it's called something I know it's not E because that's the Ivan Welsh uh, book but it's something like that, that and the entire book is just email exchanges. I actually thought it, it surprisingly worked quite well. So three stars for that. So um, all that's left to ask before we get onto Marcus, Marcus's um, uh, uh, correspondence with us is who do you think has won this week? Netflix or Cinema? Draw. I can't Draw. remember. What, how did you score Mario Brothers? Yeah, I did score Mario Brothers. Yes. It's just gone out of my head because I think you liked Mario Brothers. So I was thinking, does that just tip it in cinema's favour? <laughs> or was it dead heat? I don't know. I must admit, I've lost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think with that. He was. Um, he said it, he thinks it deserves something, but he was being generous. I seem to remember. 
Yes, we, yes, Sean is right. It is a dead heat. It is a draw this week. <laughs> and we, but, I, but I feel like we have a range of three stars. We know like how, yeah. where, we give it, where we give it three, three is a spectrum of three. So Daisy Jones on the six, the way you said it, it sounds like a bang middle of the road three. Super yeah. Mario Brothers movie is just creeping into a three because yeah. I like it and I know it's aimed for people like me. Yeah, <laughs> I think really sometimes I think sometimes you have to. I think sometimes you can you you you're more generous because you 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 know it gives you enjoyment and that's what cinema is about, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, R well, three I mean, is a very elastic sided, isn't it? R three, it is. Yeah, we we let we expand it. Um, yeah. sort of two is quite narrow. Four is like oh. Oh, let's yeah. not be hasty yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, yeah. Yeah. we have this quite early last. That's it. We could have like a 3.2 and a 3.6 or a 3.9. If we wanted to go that way, yes. Three, three is elastic. Three is elastic. But um, oh, because I'm thinking like, okay, sure. Critically, you might look at Super Mario Brothers movie and say, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I'm thinking, hey, half a million dollars at the box office cannot be entirely no, wrong. That's it. Okay. Even though I think it is when it comes to Avatar. But never mind. <laughs> we will move on. We'll move on. Okay, so yes, there's somebody called Marcus, as I said, Marcus Clearspring on Twitter, who has every now and then got in touch with us on Twitter. And I keep forgetting to get to say anything that he's got in touch with us about. So he first got in touch with us in September of 2022, asking about how he could um, leave feedback about the, about the podcast. And um, he... Uh, say something about our website and it's not working and he ah he's uh, the first thing he wrote and i'm just going to read a selection of these the excuse me as i go through this he says you were discussing idris elba so it was probably the recent episode with three thousand years of longing which i think um i spoke about and sean i know you went to see later is that you mentioned idris not playing bond and that reminded me that no one ever discusses bringing back shaft <laughs> he says not the Sam Jackson version but the original there are lots of parallels between Richard Roundtree's Shaft and Sean Connery's James Bond the way they move physically and their coolness mm. and so he, so we ended up having a chat about that and everything like that and I regurgitated some of the stuff that I'm pretty sure I've said on this podcast before about James Bond being anything other than a white man and um, and yeah uh, so I don't think I need to go, and then I talk about bringing back Shaft, and I think that the only way you could bring back Shaft is if you actually go back and set it in the 70s. Yeah. Because I think that there's something about Shaft and the 70s and what he meant to black people being in the 70s and yeah. that milieu and fighting against the man and all that kind of stuff that really, really worked in the 70s and hasn't worked when they have tried to bring Shaft back mm -hmm. twice now. Yes. <laughs> And it's yeah. just become like a loud bang bang shoot shoot film, which is not what Shaft was supposed to be in the first place. But um, okay, cool. So uh, and we go in there. Then he, then he sent, and I think I sent you guys the, I sent you guys the a link to an article that he sent us about, which has a title: "Audiences grow weary of stories that never end." <laughs> yeah. And I put this, I put this, uh, I shared it on our Twitter account saying, uh, saying, have a look at this. And it was just talking about the research that says if people, if a story doesn't have an ending, people are not going to watch it. And people like Netflix and all these people who are used to um, um, a model of where you put the cliffhanger at the end and then they come back for the next season. I having to rethink it because if people hear that this story doesn't end, they're not going to watch it. And they don't, what, they don't invest in it, no. Now, and, and I have to admit, because Sean, you're always talking about how much stuff there is to watch. Yes. And and I and there is a show. There's a show on Apple TV Plus, which everybody raves about. And it is a good show called Severance. 
It's a very good show. And it has the most frustrating ending to the first season ever. So much so that I'm thinking... it And the way it's set up, it's set up so... Some people would say tantalizingly. I would say so annoyingly. Saying, come back for the second season. And I'm like, <laughs> no! I'm pissed off. I'm not coming back. Don't, don't, yeah. Uh, but people are like, oh, that final episode was amazing. I'm like, yeah, whatever, go away. So, <laughs> and he, and also he was talking about listening. And one of the things that he said, he says that he sometimes searches an archive, searches our archive for a movie or series. And he's, he's considering of watching and he wants to hear what our opinions are on, on it first before he actually oh, that's watches nice. it. That's nice. Yeah. And to read verbatim what he says, he says, I think your reviews have value in the future because I can't know when I will get around to watching something. Obviously, don't read too much stuff out. If it's a good movie, I don't care if it was released two weeks or 90 years ago. And he, so, But he does look at our archive and does that. And I told him, well, you can go to a YouTube channel and there you can search more easily for the exact film you want. And I was like, I, I told him that it's a, we, also, we have a YouTube channel where we have the individual reviews, but you do miss all the in-between chats, which is preferable for some. So some people might like some people might like to skip this bit where we're waffling on about something that isn't a film that they want to watch about. Go to the YouTube channel. And he says he likes the chats in between. Yeah. Smiley face. I, I think sometimes I think sometimes people do like that. Sometimes people do like a bit of chat, you know, like like sort of almost like a you know getting like a, a I don't know. I don't know how I can explain it, but I think they do like it because it shows that you're normal people with normal. Well, normal yeah, 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 yeah. It it's, it's it shows that we're normal people who have sometimes very wrong ideas and wrong it's, ratings yeah. for Super Mario Brothers the movie. That's it. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, cat face Danny. I mean, what about that? Hey, eh? that could be. That sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Cat face Danny. All right, cool. <laughs> and he he ends his last thing with a recommendation for us. Ooh. Recommendation. He says, have any of you watched The Consultant on Prime with Christoph Waltz? No. Um, it's no, a, it's a both, it's both entertaining and intelligent, although partially unconventional. I think it's Waltz's best work since Inglorious Bastards, mainly due to how well it's written. And he says, and the episodes are only 35 minutes for a total of four... Four hours and 30 minutes no, for four and a half hours. And that's only one and a half Marvel movies, he says with a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds doable. It does. It does sound doable. It does sound doable. So the consultant on Amazon Prime, if any of us is up for that, wants to take up the thing and watch that. Um, and then we can let Marcus know what we thought and whether we agree with him on that. So thank you very much, Marcus. Claire Spring, for getting in touch with us um, at his... His um, Twitter handle is at WordITUK or WordIt, WordITUK. Uh, thank you very much for getting in touch with us. Please do. Yeah, thank you. Know, when you eventually get around to this episode, let us know. When <laughs> you get to this episode, let us know that you've done that. And now, so Sean, you have a picture in your background. Yes. Was this, a, was this supposed to be for us to guess something about? Mm, no, not really. It was just, I was just sort of experimenting a little bit because, as you know, I haven't, the past couple of weeks, I haven't been able to. But for some strange reason now, I've I've started using. I mean, there was for some reason was Edge because basically you know I was having troubles with the computer. Well, it's sort yes. of updated and stuff. But this is I did this through Firefox, so and it's like just like it was before. It's just like totally it's working now. It's working now, and I can get the back one. So I was just looking for something, and I thought, what looks the most aesthetically pleasing? I mean, and I <laughs> I just I just like that. So I was going to put up the one. I don't know if you remember a while ago. We were talking about a remake of the Wild Bunch. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I saw that you you had you had a whole bunch of faces. Of yeah. The people so, pe- people who you think could play the other roles that in the. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm afraid good old Bo Hopkins is done now. But I don't know if you remember a while ago I asked you how I could do it. Remember because I think I put a post on and say the characters that would play the Wild Bunch if they did yeah, yeah, if, they, yeah. if they did yeah. do the remake. Yeah. And um, so that was like the the thing that you sent me really, or you said told me what to do to make it. So yeah. So yeah, oh, so yeah, yeah, you can have a go. You can have a go at naming those guys if you want. Oh, no, I was actually interested with the other one because one of the guys. I remember you said that there was time with from a certain light. I looked like him, and yeah. I remember that he's the actor who uh, he played. Bro- he played the defendant in um, To Kill a Mockingbird with Gregory Peck. That's it. Yeah, Brock, yeah. Brock Peters. That's yeah. it, Brock Peters. He used to turn up a lot. There's also another one. I try and find. I mean, that's from one of my. That's from one of my film stills, that is. And he was in another film called The McMasters with Jack Palance. And it's, it's actually, he's in, um, so with Brock Peters. Yeah, it's a good one. He actually is in a relationship with a, an Indian woman. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, have you, Sharon? Well, like, well, like, 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 Native, like Native American. Native American, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, a, so he's in a relationship with a, 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 a Native American. Sharon, yeah, I've got to get this right, haven't I? And obviously... He's he's wanted for something, and Jack Palance is an old Confederate officer with one arm, you know. So you can imagine it's it was oh, Burl yeah. Ives is in it, and there's a few other people, and it's uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's so in this picture is that Jack Palance on the left? No, 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 no. This is um this is Eli Wallach's in the middle. Yeah, Eli, Eli Wallach. Eli Wallach, I recognised. I but who was in uh, Trinity? He was in the Trinity films. This guy. Yeah, I can't that's what I was thinking. He was in the yeah. Trinity films with Bud Spencer. His Bud Spencer, is, yeah, that's him. His, his, yeah, name, yeah. His, his name is Terry something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah Terry, 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 Hill, Terrence Hill. Terrence, Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer, yeah, Terrence yeah, Hill. Yeah, right I was looking at him thinking, that looks like that Terrence Hill. That looks like that Terrence guy who was in all those films with Bud Spencer, where they're actually, they're actually both Italian. But, yeah. But you, but you wouldn't know. Yeah, no. You just wouldn't know because of the way they did the films and everything. But, uh, okay, anyway. So that's enough thing. That You see, now that bit that we just had is one of those waffly bits that mm-hmm. maybe Marcus likes and maybe mm-hmm. some other people have turned off by now. But <laughs> until next week, where we will see something, I don't know, I have no clue yet. Maybe I'll get just to talk about Princess Power. But um, I, I, I would say until that time, please do go onto your podcast listening thing of choice and leave us a review. iTunes, Spotify, we accept all those manners of currency. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you think. Get onto our YouTube channel, interact with the video, tell us what you think about our review. And follow us on Twitter at, well, at Netflix VS Cinema because we would like to interact with you, hear more about what it is, maybe have a couple of live shows where people tell us what they think and everything, and people can come on and give us their guest reviews. Mm-hmm. We would love all that. And um, because I'm beginning to think that we are actually getting a kind of good at this podcasting, Lark. Yes. And it would be good to share with more people. So, yes, so until, until next week, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Bye.